We who live in a water-rich state such as Florida may be apt to forget that not all environments are rich in water resources. The native peoples and the pioneers of the state rarely needed to worry about finding potable drinking water. One could literally poke a shallow hole in the ground anywhere to find water, and many times it would seep out with no need for a pump. North of Tampa, the Florida aquifer comes to the surface with many springs gushing forth cool, crystal clear water at the rate of 100 cubic feet per second, or about 44.5 thousand gallons per second. That volume and rate would fill up an Olympic-sized pool in less than 15 seconds. These waters exit the underground limestone and swiftly run to white, sandy bottom streams toward the Gulf of Mexico. On the other side of the state, and much further south, in 19th century Miami, Biscayne Bay, is this was a stopping ground, so to speak, for ships to fill barrels with the fresh water that flowed up from limestone underneath the bay, creating a freshwater lens within that saltwater inlet. We are blessed with abundant living and life-sustaining flowing water in Florida. However, that's not the case in the wilderness of sin, or what we identify as the Arabian Peninsula right now, or Judah or Samaria in the modern-day Israel, Lebanon, and Syria. Water is scarce in the desert and can be found only with the knowledge of the environment or a good map or a good friend with the name of Moses. <laughs> Running water is usually favored to still water or well water, and rightly so, because generally it's cleaner and fresher, more pleasing to the senses, and seemingly more alive than standing water. We find Jesus sitting at a well. Presumably, there is some shade. He's in need of rest and a cool drink. Perhaps he senses something's going to take place, or maybe he just needs a little time for himself. His disciples are off to town to get some food. Unusual to find anyone at the well in the middle of a hot day, a woman arrives, and she carries a heavy clay jar. Jesus asks her for a drink, and her response is insightful, and as you might infer, a little bit defensive. She's well aware of the judgment of Jews against Samaritans, in part the result of a historical cross-cultural marriage situation that muddied the waters, so to speak. Over the previous centuries, the Samaritans became a community apart that still worshipped Yahweh, the same God as the Jews, but in a different place, Mount Gerizim. Though Samaritans worship the same God in many, if not most, of the same ways, they are now seen as members of a separate religion from the Jews. They are different. Conflict on both sides escalated until there was a complete cutoff. These people became a family divided with no path to resolution. The Samaritan woman is asked by this Jewish man, Jesus, to give him a drink. Feel the tension? This conversation appears wrong on so many levels. It looks wrong. A Samaritan and a Jew, I explained that just a minute ago, first and second, the conflict of politics and religion, Third, a woman and a man. 
Usually men and women who are not related do not associate alone together. In scripture, if a man and a woman meet at a well, it usually leads to marriage. And women usually gather together to draw water. This woman is alone during the hottest part of the day, not in the preferable cool of the morning with other women. She avoids the discomfort. She is an outcast. That's number four. And Jesus is not an outcast. He might have something to say about how the temple is run and those who are in charge, but he's a fully accepted Jew. So Jesus confronts us with three things we shy away from, from discussing during polite company, politics, religion, and sex, and to that, now we can add privilege. The woman asked him, how is it that you, a Jew, would ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink of water? Notice the woman does not just say no and refuse him, but engages Jesus in an honest way. She's forthright. Jesus uses a misunderstanding of a question or circumstance to dive into a conversation or example to illuminate God's plan for salvation. If you only knew who you were talking to, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you living water, Jesus says. The living water you speak of, how can I get this so that I may never have to come back to the well? She says to him, perhaps still thinking of physical thirst. But Jesus brings her along in her understanding of him, first as she recognizes that he is a Jew, then one as greater than the common ancestor that they have, Jacob. Then he is a prophet telling her all about her life. I don't have a husband, she says. It's like watching an episode of Perry Mason or Columbo. Jesus says, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've already had five, and the man you live with now is not your husband. But Jesus knew all of it, and he was naming her shame. We do not know if she had sin, as a community would define. There's no mention of divorce or infidelity. There's no mention of any of that. We don't know what her relationship is with the man she's living with. We only know that she is an outcast from her community and that she's hurting. Jesus, recognized as a Jew, Jacob's better, a prophet, and now the woman tells him of her belief that the Messiah is coming. Then Jesus reveals God to her, his true identity to this Samaritan woman. In the Gospel of John, the first person, she is the first person to be gently and clearly told who he is. She's a foreigner, an unnamed woman, an outcast, a person of another faith as defined by the Jewish tradition. Jesus came to the world to save sinners. He came to the world. Jesus said, I am he. Jesus said, I am. It's a story of liberation and freedom, and the Samaritan woman is so full of joy, she leaves her water jar to run back to town to tell her friends. During this Lenten season, I hope that you have been able to uncover some information or truth about your life that you have been avoiding. I hope that Jesus has met you at your well of need so that you're able to drop that heavy water jar containing old stagnant things to be refreshed by ever-flowing spirit and truth. 
Whenever we encounter our Lord, he changes everything, never leaving us or in that situation as it was, bringing us ever closer to him. The Samaritan woman received the gospel all at one time, and her reaction was joy for her redemption. We are receivers of the good news from this pulpit, in Bible studies, through prayer, daily readings of scripture, and formation. It is my prayer that you are able to hear the three encounters with Jesus in the Gospel of John, today's story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman, last week's encounter with Nicodemus, and next week's story of the blind man in a new way, so that you're freer to see God in spirit and truth than ever before. The woman at the well was an outcast, living a life of suffering and want. Her life is not a mystery to Jesus. He knows and loves her anyway. And I think there are parts of ourselves that we feel that would not be okay to reveal to others and things we don't want to acknowledge about ourselves. But that's okay, tell Jesus. He already knows and loves us anyway. We can unburden our spirits, spirits, we can tell Jesus, and we can leave those stagnant parts behind so that we are able to fill our hearts and minds with what Jesus offers, that living water that forever refreshes and renews.